few good men with Murray Jones. Sponsored by Help Enterprises, a social enterprise helping people with disabilities lead fulfilling and independent lives. Hi, I'm Murray Jones. This is A Few Good Men, the podcast that brings together men who are raising children with disabilities and offers them a safe place to share their stories, struggles and triumphs. This is where men should really talk more to each other. And our world changed forever that day. And it's never been the same since. My journey as a father to a child with a disability has been challenging, but it has also given me strength and resilience that I never knew I had. I realised how important it is to have a support system and how lonely it is without one. I was um, burnt out. Everyone has a plan for the future, but whether it goes that way is another thing. Told you I wasn't going to cry today, mate. <laughs> Everyone has the ability to have a ripple effect, have a ripple effect have a ripple. in whatever way they choose to. This podcast aims to understand some of the very difficult and unexpected journeys that many men have experienced when raising children with a disability and the way that has altered the course of their lives. I've done the job, the loving husband and the father and all that sort of stuff, but what about me? How do I relearn who I am? The immense challenges, the lonely roads, and of course, the rewards that can be discovered along the way. Make the most out of what you've got. They are your kids. Look after them. Do the best you can. I don't think Iris have ever bothered with the negatives of anything. If we're having a bad day, well, tomorrow's another day. My hope is this podcast finds its voice in the world and enables men in similar situations to share their stories and help each other navigate the unknown roads ahead. A Few Good Men with Murray Jones. Sharing stories of the unexpected journeys men have experienced when raising children with disabilities that need lifelong support. A few good men. How do you fight tirelessly for the rights and resources your child deserves in a system that often doesn't understand? David Woods isn't just a semi-retired property developer. He's a relentless advocate for his younger son, Geordie, diagnosed with autism at age two. That diagnosis sent David on a path, not just of understanding, but of tireless advocacy, ensuring that Geordie had every resource and support available to him. Today on A Few Good Men, we explore David's unwavering commitment to Geordie, the challenges he faced, and the victory celebrated in the world of autism advocacy. Thanks for being part of A Few Good Thanks Men. Thanks for asking me. Let's start at the beginning. How many kids have you got in Keegan? I've got three boys, or we've got three boys. Julian is my oldest. He's 25 going on 26, or five going on six in some ways. But he keeps us amused and busy. He's probably, as we found out later, probably classic ADHD, which made his growing up a little bit difficult thereafter. Young Jordan, our youngest, was diagnosed. In the middle, we've got Lachlan, who's just turned 22. And Jordan, my youngest one, who has autism, there's probably a bit over 14 months between Jordan and Lachlan, which is sort of a little bit harder to sort of think because they, they would have been really good mates had everything been fine. And Jules, as he was sort of on the outside being suggested could maybe ADHD, we probably put that aside because one, I didn't want to know it. And secondly, I was once Geordie was diagnosed at the age of two, it was all hands on deck. There was just shock and awe. That's all I could describe it as. So if you go back to that moment, so he's nearly two, you're meeting all the normal milestones. Mate hit every milestone on cue. He was happy. He ate everything. Geordie just walked at the normal times, you know, 11, 12 months and rolled when he was supposed to, got up and crawled when he was supposed to. Change from softer, harder to solids as they do there yeah, yeah. at the um, right times. Yeah. Everything was sort of perfect. 
And um, right around the time, not long after he had his his shots, his triple antigens, and, you know, they say there's nothing there. You, you know, we've got to believe what we're told. One of the girls at the daycare, this to go to, she said to us there, has Geordie had any trouble recently with um, his ears? He had started to sort of ignore a couple of their calls and commands to go inside or come on, let's go outside and all this sort of thing. And But over the next couple of weeks there, we're doing the sort of clap behind him and the girls still said, you know, Geordie's just not responding the way he normally does it or he's becoming very entrenched in one little spot. Mm. So we saw the GP and he recommended us to a uh, specialist. I just thought it was something there we're going to get, you know, some antibiotics yeah. and yeah. bang, everything will be back on, on track. And, uh, and she saw Jordan and then called us back in and for the results. And we sat down there and, and she just came out and said, okay, after looking at Jordan and studying Jordan, what we have here is Jordan is autistic. And from that word, for the next 45 minutes, I didn't hear a thing. It was like I was in a vortex. I was just, I didn't understand it. I didn't really know what it was. And I was just in You shock. didn't say anything for 45 you, you I, I just felt like feeding them shock. I was just in shock. I, I didn't say anything. And she was talking and I, I'd look over and Trace was feverishly writing stuff down. And uh, I can probably remember that like it was here now, that just being in there and just feeling this total hopelessness. And our world changed forever that day. And it's never been the same since. It's been good and bad, but it's never ever returned to the normality or the carefree or the relaxed of getting up every morning without a problem today. So that was probably nearly 19 years ago. And that's a lot that we've sort of been dealt with. And, and, and look, after Geordie going to special school a couple of days a week and seeing some other children, you know, we're very, very lucky. And he, he's a beautiful little boy. He's, a, you know, yeah. I love him to bits, but it's, um, it's just, uh, and, and, and look, I was pretty blind to a lot of people with disabilities. I'd grown up and gone to a boys' school there probably where, you know, we had a boy there who had cerebral palsy and a couple of other kids that might have had a deaf and a wonky eye or something there like that. It's about, the, about the, the extent of what I was exposed to. You know, you'd always have the kids who are maybe challenged a little bit in how bright they were. Yeah. And you see how those kids were picked on at school. And that was probably everything there that the future held for us. And it was a bit of a race after that because Geordie very quickly fell into a lot of those sort of autistic traits there of when he'd have a little toy, he'd be watching the wheels go round and round of just a little slot car mm. and he'd line, start lining everything up. Yeah. Once he was diagnosed, it, any progress in his speech just stopped. And he didn't really start talking till he was going to school. Mm. Mind you, if he fell over and... and graze his knee, he'd come running in saying, you know, it hurts, it hurts, it hurts. You know, he had all the words, but he, he couldn't get them out. Yeah. And his eye contact just disappeared. And his wanting food, so went from eating everything to having almost a dry food diet, yeah, right. living on jats, toast, burnt bacon for the next 10 plus years. And then one day in his mid to late teens, he said, I want a steak. So you've, you've been hit by the Mack truck. 
and I can still remember walking out of the child psychologist's office, Fred had been through all these tests and everything, and that, that same sort of thing, and they said, look, Fred's got autism, you know, and you go, and it's not going right. Like, what, yeah. What, this is the um, bit that, that, like, I, we we're, we're probably fortunate at the time there that we're doing pretty well at work. You know, we're earning lots of money yeah, and we're yeah. doing, we're doing pretty well. Yeah. And I was just used to, like, well, what's it going to cost me to, to fix, to fix this? How do we fix it? What do I, how much do I write the check out for? Who do I write it to? Where's my, where's my prescription? Well, you're a fix it guy. I mean, how uh, do you fix it? Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and that's what you do as a dad. Mm. You know, my wife was a bank manager. She gave up work to stay home and look after him. She came out with just notes that she'd got from, from the doctor. Yeah. And I, I, I was like, I, I just couldn't talk on the way home. I just, I was just in shock. And so I left there feeling very, very helpless. Trace left there with a, a couple of pages full of notes of things to do and people to start contacting. Well, that's the thing. I mean, hearing that autism, you know, I was the same, mate. So what is it? What do we do about it? But you get to that point of the diagnosis. That's right. And you get hit by the Mack truck, and then then what did you do? Trace got on to uh, Autism Queensland and a couple of those other yeah. mobs that were yeah. d- doing that sort of thing. Yeah. And we got onto them, and the, the lady told us yeah. it's going to be expensive and it's going to be intensive. It's going to be seven days a week. Your other two children are just going to have to come along for the ride yeah. because this is how it is. And, and, of course, you're desperate for answers. Like, you know, yeah. you can see how people get get taken in when you're desperate there you'll do anything mm. we were desperate so how were you going were you sort of leaving everything to tracy or or were you well, well I were you sort of because you, you're doing you know you're yeah, building big she, buildings and doing all that sort of she stuff she left she know. left work and between her and mal and the two ot's there they were writing courses and trace made these volumes and volumes like you know about a foot thick of all the picture things she downloaded, bought the stuff and yeah. downloaded from internet, printed it out, made all the things, and we passed those on to other families there afterwards because we had no need for it. picture boards and, you know. Oh, yeah, and, and, and the videos. and We had a TV in every room with a video there so that they could act out stuff and that. But that but, was fantastic, you know. It really yeah. was, and it ga- engaged him, and he also went to f- speech therapy, which wasn't cheap either, but it was good. So all that stuff then, did and that get him through him to school? Like got him through to school. Primary school. My right. boys went to a small Catholic school. and did, So did he, they did he go mainstream? Oh, I didn't want to take it. The headmaster there, he just blocked it. It was just stonewalling us. To, 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 he didn't want to take Jordan. No. We couldn't get him in. And, and they just said no. No. So we had in. a meeting there with Cath Ed, and they sent over two of their representatives, and one of them was an ex-nun. And this lady could barely even look at me. And it was just, we're just stonewalled again. So how are you going at this stage? Oh, I said, look, my father went to Terrace. My yeah. father came to Ashgrove. Before this church was built, before the school was built, it was an old wooden school. My father's great uncle was a priest called Father Julian Tennyson Woods, who founded two orders of nuns along with Mary MacKillop. Mary oh, MacKillop, right. yeah. who's Australia's first saint, was his first so novitiate. So drop all that into the conversation. No, I didn't drop it in the beginning. They're going to kind of get it. You won't have to and, name drop. And it wasn't until somehow there I mentioned there about my dad hmm. and what a proud Catholic he was and put work into the schools before he even had kids going there. Yeah, yeah. And the church. So did that and get him across the line? Did he get suddenly well, get into the school? Well, all of a sudden there, she's looked at the principal. She said, can I just talk to you in private? I'm going to make another meeting and come back. Walked back in the other meeting. She said, we would love to have Jordan. Well, I mean, good for you. You're lucky, but. 
lucky, lucky for us. And so he went, he started there in prep, first half of first term, one day a week, and built up to two days a week in first term. He's going to special school two days a week. Yeah. And then second term, two to three days. And then by third term, he's going there full time. But him going to the special school opened up a lot to me on how lucky I was that Jordan was fully physically able. Yeah. He was a good looking little boy. And apart from his traits of autism, you wouldn't know anything. No. And after seeing some of the the children and the desperation of some of the mums and dads at uh, special school, Mm. that changed my view of disability and how we could cope. Did that help you cope a bit more? That I helped mean, the me fact cope that- enormously better because I did a first aid yeah. course mm. and I'm the only married person in this room. None of the other mums had a partner or a husband. Why, they'd all bolted? They'd all bolted. One of them had bolted before she'd brought the baby home and the other one, another one had- Bolted go- before she brought the baby. Went, couldn't, couldn't deal with this. And, and they're asking me, what's your experience when- Jordan's heart stops beating or he stops breathing. Mm. And I never happened. Never happened. And like, I just couldn't wait to get out of there. It was just killing me being there because it was so Were you uh, getting a upsetting. bit emotional? Yeah, yeah. It was upsetting me to think there that of what I thought I'd been through mm. to what these girls had been through. They mm. didn't have any yeah. regular person that they could lean apart from their mums and dads. Mm. And one of them said that she'd been on a date one time a couple of years before and had got a call from the sitter and that her child had a, a severe seizure and she's in the middle of a date there and had, and she said it just would have killed her if she had gone home and anything uh, mm. uh, hadn't have happened. So like, suddenly you've got a whole different perspective. I just realised how, how lucky I was, you know, and I can remember going home there and going up the coast there with Jordan there and sitting there watching him, look, looking at him and he was tanned and he had this wild blonde hair and these beautiful blue eyes, and the smile that would just light up a room, and just thinking there, you know, you know, we'll, we'll get through this. Mm. I, I'm, I'm going to get through this. Just go back a step. When you were getting kind of stonewalled, right, and they're saying, nah, Geordie's not coming here, and, you know, this isn't well, going to happen. happened when he went to high school. But well. how, so how did, you, how did you cope with that? Did you have any moments where you just got angry and said, oh, this is bullshit, I'm, you know, he's going? Oh, abso- yeah. absolutely. His six years at Ashgrove, a little Convent school was fantastic. That you wouldn't have got into if it wasn't for your yeah. lineage. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, ex- exactly. Yeah. And um, it went, and new headmaster there the first year he started there, and she was fantastic. When you've got good people like that, you have good people working for you. And they, they all knew Geordie. Every yeah. kid at school knew Geordie the whole time he was there, and he knew every child's name. Hmm. And they start to look after each other, and they know the idiosyncrasies there of this child yeah. and that sort of thing. Yeah, safe haven. And it was good. Hmm. He couldn't then go to the high school that the boys were at. They just said there he would be better off at a, at a state school. What did you say about that? Well, I said a lot. You know, I was an old boy. I just gave them what I thought mm. and let it go at that. Because I was good. For, I was friends with these people as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. and deep down, and remember, they've got an instruction from above. You know, yeah, I understand. You know, and I yeah. had to respect that. And they're good people. They had a tough job of telling me no. Mm-hmm. And I've got to tell you. Ending up at a state school was the best thing for him because he got a lot more resources there. I went to an old boys school and it was the, it was the same school as my, my boys. And mm. back then, things were, all boys schools were tough. Mm. 
it was uh, lunch at 12, fists of five sort of thing, you know. A bit of that Lord of the Flies thing too, isn't yeah, it? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And if you were a weak link, mm. you got punished mm. in all boys' schools. So I'd seen plenty of that and really thought nothing of it. You know, I can remember sticking up for some kids, but I was probably mean to mm. kids there that I could have been a lot nicer to as well. Mm. Mm. And that's something I'd probably look back on and say, you know, I, I could have stuck up for that kid, mm. you know. So it was actually a blessing you didn't go to that. I think so. Yeah, seven, eight, nine, ten were, were, were tough years for him. But he yep. bounced out of bed every morning yep. and wanted to go to school, and that's a bit that broke my heart even more. I'd see the things that, like, he'd come home and he would have been spat on or had oh. dog crap thrown at him, or his phones. I don't know how many phones and iPads and computers were replaced from kids was jumping on his bag. Jumping on them. Yeah. or knocking them out of his hand, or chewing gum in his hair, or something there like that, or Can guiding we... him onto the wrong bus and him ending up at the bus depot, yeah. and the police or the council ringing us, and we would track him on the phone, think, you know, where is he? Or, or people would tell us something that's happened on the bus, or at school. But he, everybody, as far as he was concerned, was his friend. And by this time, he knows he's different, and he yeah. just wants to be normal. Yeah, yeah. And he just wants to play. And those years were very, very tough for him. Were they tough for you? Tough for me. Like, I put out a couple of fires in my own way, like kids that were bothering him and a couple of parents that complained about him. Like, the boys would set, well, you'd him, have up, a quiet... set him up for, set him up to fail on something, say, here, go, go push this kid or go tell that, say mm. this to that girl. Mm. And, you know, we had one instance there where a, a girl's father kicked up a din far more than he needed to on something. So I had to go sort that out myself. And I just pitched up at the front door hmm. and just told him how it was going to be and if he didn't like it, what I was going to do. Hmm. Otherwise, we can all be mates. And, and like, hmm. There's certain things the school can sort out, there's certain things the police can sort out, hmm. but a lot of them are handcuffed hmm. and I hmm. wasn't, so I just sorted it out as a dad sorts something out. Or go to someone's house and say, if your kid does this to my kid again, I'm not going to say anything to your kid. I'm going to take it out on you like he took it out on my son. Mm. So you've got a choice. You you sort him out mm. or I'll sort you out. Mm. And well, it's one way to fix it, I suppose. Well, one way to fix it, but it's not it's not an answer, you know, like mm. it it shouldn't happen, but it does. Obviously, it's not easy stuff though, is it? No. And I'd do it over again too. In mm. fact, a couple of things I wish I had done earlier that he mm. didn't have to put up with. But, you know, there's a fine line between getting into trouble yourself and that sort of thing. And some things are just... Best left unsaid, and you just sort it out. Your well, hindsight's a wonderful, a wonderful thing, thing, isn't it? 2020, but you, you sound like you've been a fierce advocate for Geordie the whole time. Some of the little things that people don't realise is these are the kids and children with disabilities in general. They're the ones that never get invited to the parties. Oh, yeah, it's heartbreaking, you know, mate, I know. And yeah. you'd see some of the mums putting envelopes in the bags, and you could even hear them say to the child, you know, don't tell Geordie. Don't, don't tell Geordie. And also his, his, his brothers else. being invited, his yeah, two brothers, they're going to and parties. That, and and, and the, yeah. like they think that they're oblivious or they're stupid, but they're not. Mm, mm. And it's almost like mm. talking in front of them and thinking mm. that they're not listening. And that really hurt. Or you would get a letter home saying, this probably doesn't suit him to do this. You think, well, it'd be so much fun, why? Yeah, yeah, that, the limitations that some people put right, on you. Like, well, yeah, they, they go, oh, no, Geordie wouldn't be able to do that, you know, or, Fred wouldn't be able to do that. And it's if like, you don't stick up for your kids, well, nobody else will. Well, that's exactly right. Mate. And yeah. nobody <laughs> hurts true. Nobody hurts for a child. They're like a mum and dad and their brothers and sisters. Like They, they might 
bag him and yeah. get up him for being different and that sort of stuff or, yeah. or fight with him. But they're fiercely loyal to him as well. Yeah. And you can see the hurt in their eyes sometimes. Did they ever sort of stand up for him? Like oh, him look, and, yeah. I can remember at one of the little breakups, football breakups, Geordie's running around the background, you know, bouncing around and that sort of stuff and a couple of the kids sniggering and, and pointing at him. And I could see Lockie sort of looking over at them, looking at Geordie and, and then him just looking at the ground. And I just thought, you know, he's hurting seeing yeah. other people making fun of his brother. Mm. We used to just tell him there that, you know, you've got to live through this, man. Geordie's got to live through mm. it too because it's going to happen his whole life. Mm. So you want to make them resilient without mm. helicopter parenting them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You, you want to make them able to, to cop it because it's never going to be easy. But grade 11 was a huge change for him because the boys are starting to want to impress the girls at school. And the girls are saying, hey, why don't you leave him alone? Why are you picking on him? Mm. And all of a sudden it stopped. And the guys, a couple of them started to friend him. And they start to mature a bit more too. And as we got into grade 12, it became more evident. And the girls would even say to Trace, hey, this happened today. I think you should do something about it. And then he got an invite to a pre before his formal. And he was just so excited. And we thought, oh, have you invited yourself? Because he, he was good at doing that. Mm. And Trace found out there through the boys, no, he's been invited to a, a small group because there's lots of small groups for the yeah, pre. Yeah, and yeah. then bang, he came home with an invite to the post. Again, Trace is trying to check it out to make sure there that he's, mm. you know, it's legit. Yeah, it and, the, and, she, and she rang the lady said, George is more than milk. And he went off there and he had the pre, the formal, and the post, and I think a couple of days later or a week later, they had their finish at school, and he got an award. Big moment for you too. And 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 he finished school. How are you feeling? Oh, look, we were out there because you know we're sort of thinking, well, what next, you know? But to see him and the applause he got from the parents and his school friends when he got up there, and that was fantastic. Like his birthday, the pre, yeah. the formal, and the post, and his graduation all happened in, in a very short period of time, the, yeah, yeah. Like the last term. And it just made school, he would look back on that. And he's got his 21st coming up there next month. And that will be the sort of like the crowning glory. That's so he's got some of the same kids coming to that. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. You always hope that they'll pitch up. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? yeah, yeah. That's what, yeah, no, I know exactly and what you mean. So, does Geordie know we, that you're having a chat today and you might be talking oh, about it? I told him, him I was coming yeah. down. I don't think he understands. He doesn't mind that you talk, be talking about him. No, I told him what it was yeah. about. So other mums and dads who have children who've been diagnosed with autism know that they're not the only ones going through it and, and what they can do and, yeah. and, and what's out there to help them and yeah. And that it's not bad. Like, you know, you're not going to go around clicking your heels when you find out your kid's a lifelong affliction. No, you're affliction. not going to. No, and, that's right. And, and lifelong affliction for their siblings. Do you know, I've been married 25 years, and I, w I wouldn't say it's always been easy because it's never easy with kids. It's not easy with, with a child with a disability. No. We've never had a night by ourselves without a child in 25, in 25 years. And people say, oh, we'll take Geordie for a night, but none of them ever did. <laughs> none of them did. And, and uh, you haven't gone down the respite route or anything? No, no. Well, we thought we were actually going to have one there. You know, you're a bit past going out and painting the town red and that sort of stuff there. You know, I'd rather settle in and watch Netflix upstairs and Trace be watching hers downstairs or <laughs> vice versa, you know. And, Romantic. Yeah, and, and, and come up for, join for a cup of tea. 
And we said, hey, this is going to be our first ever night at home because Geordie was doing a night up at Australia Zoo with Code Blue. Oh, okay. Yeah. And we're just, hey, do you know this is going to be the first night we've ever not had a child at home? In 25 years. In 25 years. And then my son, who's moved out because he's starting college, Lockie says, oh, I'm coming home for the weekend. We just, <laughs> laughed, just laughed and said, yeah, come on yeah. in, Lockie. Not destined yeah. to have a night together, mate. Yeah, it's just so, on your own. It's yeah. um, they're things that I think a lot of people don't realise. Or sometimes you might stonewall your friends in being invited somewhere because you just can't. They they think you're stonewalling them because you're not going out to dinner mm. because you can't find. Like we're very conscious of leaving Jordan home at the moment by himself because if some kid or if you cottoned on that there was a party on somewhere. He's very likely to ring an Uber or get a, go out and get on the bus and go to it, you know. Mm. And he's pretty good at inviting himself to places and, until they say, oh, yeah, okay, George, you can come. So we're pretty um, wary of that. Mm. Did you have a, a, an outlet or were there times when no. you felt like curling up in the fetal position? And going, oh, my, my sisters, I'm probably lucky there. Like my brother would do anything for me, but he's married to his job and he's – on the outside, grumpy, but he's got a heart of gold. Mm. And he helped me through a lot of things there. He was very good. My older sister has a boy with a disability. Your it's, older sister does? Yeah. And it's a little bit like autism, although he, he probably, it's almost identical as autism, but they think it probably happened through having a seizure and that sort of thing as a little boy. And he's, he's a good kid. Yeah, she's been fantastic. Just having a sounding board. And my other sister, my younger sister there is wonderful in the fact there that she can roll with the punches with anything. How do you reckon, you know, like if you look back over the 20 years, how do you reckon it's changed you? I've got far more empathy and, and understanding of what people are going through. Yeah. Whether it be a child with a disability or a child that's in trouble for something. Yeah. You know, little kids, little problems, big kids, big problems, you know. You might get a letter home from the teacher there when kids are a little at school and then a kid's out doing something there that they think's a bit funny or something there like that and the police might roll up at their door and the kid's in trouble. For something there that when I was a kid, it wouldn't have even raised an eyebrow. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Maybe yeah, a little right. bit more stupid these days they get caught. And they didn't when I was a kid. But One of the things that I often think with Fred is that um, he hasn't got a mean bone in his body. You know what I mean? Like he does, he wouldn't, doing the wrong thing or doing, you know, harming anyone or upsetting anyone. Like he just. Geordie can fire up. They take the best and worst behavior from everybody they see. And mm, that's some sponges really, aren't they? Yeah. And his brothers, he sees. And here's the talk like they, like, man, he's got radar ears. So yeah. he hears what they're saying and he can hear them if they have an argument or a fight and they've had some doozies between the two of them. There, yeah, know? yeah. So he will hear what they say and mm -hmm. it come back at me. I'll say, no, no, mate, you can't do it. Like, you have to learn to say no in a very different way of saying, no, you can't do that. Because he hears that and he goes from naught to 100 very quickly because he thinks... I'm being mean to him. And everything there that he's heard the boys say under their breath or to each other or to me, he'll blurt straight out at me. Mm. And it's not in his making. He's taken the worst of what they have ever said or yelled from downstairs in their rooms or heard them talking amongst each other yeah. and then gives it to me in barrels. But he would never, ever go out of his way to be mean or nasty or dishonest. And that's the pure thing about him. Would you agree? Like without realising, you actually learn stuff from them that you wouldn't have. Oh, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And, and 
he had a very simple job of trolley collecting. Like, I don't know whether you've ever, you've probably never taken the time to, it's not like watching the street go by when you're having a coffee, watching people collect trolleys. Geordie's just like the, uh, the net panther in tennis. He's just looking for it. <laughs> He's, he's just looking, looking for a trolley. He's looking for the next trolley. And he will scan the whole car park. Yeah, yeah. And he'll see, it's 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 almost like Steve Austin with the radar on. Yeah, the old bionic man. And he's a $6 million man. And there's not a trolley in the car park anywhere. And outside the store is rows of trolleys. Well, when Geordie's on deck, they're full. Do you know the thing? Money means nothing to him. And do you know what the biggest thing about it was? The prestige of having a hat, a high-vis with his name on it, and looking like his brother, who's an electrician. I'm off to work, Dad. I'm off to work. He had seen the thing on Facebook where some of his mates from school had gone to the blind tiger at the Gap and had chicken wings, and they'd had a beer to put up on Facebook. So he thought, that's what you do after work. You go to the blind tiger. So, no, I want to catch the bus. So he catched the bus from where he was, this is summer or winter, to the blind tiger at the Gap. So he would come in there dressed... We had to tell him there, George, you've got to take your hat off <laughs> when you're sitting in there. He would come in there, sit at a table by himself and order chicken wings and he'd have a beer. He would then take himself from there down to McDonald's and, and buy one of the hot desserts, mm. you know, the ice cream sundae, whatever they are. And then he'd walk across the road and catch the bus home and he'd walk in like his brother, you know, put the hat down there and walk around in his boots and his high vis, <laughs> just like his brother. And that was his highlight of his week. Mm. Mm. How, how do you feel about the future for you and Geordie? And well, it's probably has, the has your, fear. Have you, yeah, that's a big elephant in the room, isn't it's, it? What, it's, the, it's the biggest fear of what happens when I go or his mum goes. You got a plan? Yeah, but it's, look, my plan was to be financially stable, which we are. Yeah. But how that's managed after we go, you don't know. No, it's yeah, a big George. one, managing the money, but also... Um, where they're going to live. And all those things that you obviously do for Geordie on a day-to-day basis, who's going to do that? You know, I don't know about you, mate, but it keeps, you know, it keeps me up at night. Well, it keeps keeps us up at night. Well, it keeps me up. I don't know whether it keeps Trace up or not. Part of this whole few good men, mate, is hopefully it evolves from just a podcast to, you know, blokes like you and I and, and others with, you know, varying skill sets to come together and collectively work out a, a better future. This. How do, you know, where do they live? Because, How do we... But that's something there that, you know, like, I don't know what it's like for the last 20 years not to worry, not to be worried. No, it's I know. In the it's, back always, of my mind it's always there. All the time. Yeah. All the time. How have you coped with that? I've closed down as a person in, in many ways. You reckon you've closed down? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Not, I'm not the same person that I was before. You're that. pretty gregarious. You're pretty friendly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I'd be a lot more. Well, you just become a bit reclusive or something, have you? Yeah. And I suffer fools much lighter than I used to. I used to be able to listen to them now. I can just shut them down. People whinging about the small yeah. things. If they know me now, they know not to do it or they don't get the opportunity to. I often think it's a bit like the Alice in Wonderland. You know, you open this sort of door and down you tumble into this world of disability that a lot of people never ever open that door because they don't have to, given your skills and, you know, your background of you sort of, you know, okay, well, maybe there's something I can do to enrich Look, or I'll, put back. Or... I've had people there who not only children with disabilities, but kids that have got into trouble mm. on something there. Mm. And you give them an example of trying to look at something there from a bird's eye view. Yeah. And you become quite good at being able to tell them, don't look at it from your view because you're just going to see clouds. You mm. can't see the forest for the trees. Yeah. So you deal with crises differently. 
mm. you to get a deeper, you know, bigger, you become different more, perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I've got a lot more empathy and that sort mm. of stuff. Like you know, there's one person that I've given some advice to mm. lately there who is more of an acquaintance there than a friend, but I've given him some calming advice in a little bit of a crisis. Because you know what worry they're about to start going through mm. and that sort of stuff. And I've been through it. And but you're still worrying, aren't you, 20 years later? Yeah, I'm worrying, but there's a window to an opening there where it'll be all over for them. Yeah, and right. And I'm telling okay. them yeah, that, okay. that is because it's not permanent for them as it's permanent yeah. for me. Yeah. And I would like to be able to tell some people there that you will get through this. Yeah. Um, I, I feel so deeply sorry for the people there who've got children there who are way worse off there than I am. I'd like those ladies that, that I met at the, um, and, and you know, I wouldn't know them now if I bumped into them. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't yeah, have known them yeah, a week yeah, later yeah. if I'd have bumped into them in Coles. Yeah. But just their stories was like being hit in the face with a big trout, a total abandonment. People, even their families saying, you should put that child into mm. a home and forget about it. And a couple mm. of the women said that, that their families... Uh, just think that they're crazy for taking that child home. Mm. And I couldn't do that to my wife if she was my worst enemy. And some days there we are, you know, you are like that. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But you yeah. get through it together. Yeah. We're by no means perfect. And mm. and, and I'm not perfect. No, none of us are, mate. I, do you know what it comes back to? It comes back to, I was very fortunate to play rugby for a, a very strong club. Yeah. At, at Brothers Rugby Union, a very strong people. Yeah. And some really good people and of what it's like to have a club behind you mm. and a mates behind you for life there that you would have died for on the rugby field. So I can never give up on something. Yeah. I, I can always see, I, I mightn't say it, but I can always see the good in something in the end. Sometimes I'll let my mouth run off before and it's just to get the frustration out. It's not really what I'm thinking. I've said things to my kids and probably my wife and other people there that, that I didn't really mean, but. Yeah, we all do. I, I feel deeply for it. Mm. And I could never give up on something there like that. And I don't know how these people survive when, to me, it's a land of total hopelessness for them because they've, one, they haven't got anything, they're, they're not financial. Oh, no. They haven't got oh, the support network. And their life must be like waking into a nightmare. Well, they don't, they don't wake. They're never, they're never asleep. And I know for me, I wake up every night. There's not a, a night or a day I don't think about what could happen with Jordan. And it's probably turned me around. Like, I used to love a drink and love to be able to let my hair down. Mm. And I used to love a fag and that sort of stuff. I was always mediocre kind of fit after I stopped playing and coaching and that sort of stuff. I made a conscious decision there some years ago that I'm going to give it the best opportunity I can to live a long time like my dad. He, he died at 96 there last year. Yeah, and uh, I just thought, you know, if I smoke, there's a big chance there that I won't get there. So I stopped smoking, and I loved smoke. I loved it. I could still fall in love with it, I'm sure. <laughs> but I made a choice there to stop doing that and to start getting fit again. So that's how I got into my paddling more seriously. Yeah, and I do that three or four times a week, and that keeps me keeps you sane. sane. Keeps me sane. Yeah, yeah. Keeps me fit. I keep telling everyone I'm a supreme athlete. But <laughs> I think your message there of never give up. That, you can't give up, you know. You can't it's, give it's up. For your own sanity and for those around you, like if I gave up, it would fall back on my wife and she doesn't deserve that. And I tell the kids, nobody will love you like a mum. Thanks. Thanks for your time. Good You're welcome. <laughs>
You're a good man, David. Not just because we're here as a few good men, but you're a good bloke. Thank you. If you've been moved by David's story, please share this episode and subscribe to the podcast and help us grow the community of a few good men. Thanks again to our sponsor for their support of this podcast. Help Enterprises are a social enterprise helping people with disabilities lead fulfilling and independent lives. Next time on A Few Good Men, Lee shares his heartfelt journey of embracing life's challenges head on and the profound impact of acceptance by his family. We never really took any notice of a supposed disability. Because she had so many close siblings, she just mucked in. She was a bit slower on the take-up, but she was just one of the kids. I'm Murray Jones. Thanks for joining us on A Few Good Men. To keep the conversation going, please connect with us on our website. You'll find resources, stories from fellow fathers and caregivers, and ways to interact with our growing community. Visit afewgoodmen.com.au. A Few Good Men, sponsored by Help Enterprises a social enterprise helping people with disabilities lead fulfilling and independent lives. A Few Good Men is a Welcome Change Media production.